The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success would rely on coal mines. Men die in coal mines all the time. I preferred it when you were alien. When I was... Well, that, that explains the lack of humanity. What makes you so sure that your life is worth more than those people out there on the ice? Is it the money? The accident of birth? Puts you inside the big fancy house? I help move this country forward. I move this empire forward. Human progress isn't measured by industry. It's measured by the value you place on a life. An unimportant life. A life without privilege. The boy who died on the river, that boy's value is your value. That's what defines an age. That's what defines a species. What a beautiful speech. The rhythm and and vocabulary quite outstanding it's enough to move anyone with an ounce of compassion so it's really not your day is it if they know about the beast then others must too we bring the plan forward when sir now in daylight an exchange between the 12th Doctor Who and your boilerplate soulless colonialist, set during the heyday of the British Empire. Nothing has changed, even as the hologram shifted to make it appear America was the empire that never ended. Nothing has bloody changed. The Archons and their Karens and Katamites in the establishment don't have any compassion. They barely have any humanity, pitiless as they slouch towards Bethlehem. They see us as chattel and resources and statistics on their ledgers. Stalin once said one death is a tragedy and a million is a statistic. And that's how that wickedness in high places rolled, baby. From that technocratic bird's eye view from Olympus. That big picture of eugenics and genocide. Oh, fellow members of the Roman Senate, hear me. Shall we continue to build palace after palace for the rich? Or shall we aspire to a more noble purpose and build decent housing for the poor? How does the Senate vote? Fuck the poor! Good. I get sad because so many, even in the esoterica, won't let the red pill suppository 
rise and crack fully in the rectums of reality. Those in power will never care about the middle class or the downtrodden or the powerless. Never will. Our governments will never care. Our educational institutions, medical centers, and religious hotspots will never care. Our potentates and holy primates don't care. It's so obvious. No one is coming to save you. No law is going to make things better. No election. No hashtag. No slacktivism. Only pushing back with the weight of alchemical transformation and the dissolving of that divide-and-conquer Circe spell. The only solution is a spiritual solution because the collective Western psyche is hopelessly broken. As Ursula Le Guin wrote, You cannot buy the revolution. You cannot make the revolution. You can only be the revolution. It is in your spirit or it is nowhere. I am not a number. I am a free man. Those without swords can still die upon them. I fear neither death nor pain. What do you fear, my lady? A cage. To stay behind bars until youth and old age accept them. And all chance of valor has gone beyond recall or desire. Don't you see, Meat Sacks? Or maybe I should take the same attitude as Anton Chekhov when he wrote... You have lost your reason and taken the wrong path. You have taken lies for truth and hideousness for beauty. You would marvel if, owning to strange events of some sort, frogs and lizards suddenly grew on apple and orange trees instead of fruit. Or if roses began to smell like a sweating horse. So I marvel at you who exchange heaven for earth. I don't want to understand you. You know my mother was an atheist. She used to say that there was good news and bad news about hell. The good news is, hell is just the product of a morbid human imagination. The bad news is, whatever humans can imagine, they can usually create. Guess those in the esoterica, including some Gnostic priests and bishops, along with meat sacks, just want what those Karens and Katamites want. That addictive rush of power, an orgasmic reach-around that is the potential of immortality. Consume and numb and project on the latest trending issue Medusa mass media pukes out. As above, so below. And in Olympus, it all starts as Atlantis falls every second. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, okay. Let's all be good little automaton droids and believe everything we hear on TV. It's tragic, and it makes me sad. But then I think of you shining crazy diamonds. You of the broken places who have arrived at the virtual Alexandria armed with nothing more than your imagination and wonder and scars. And then I feel so happy. 
You are awakened, and your divine spark is a light guiding the way to the realms of forgotten gods and Sophianic dreams. You're a time traveler. I prefer the term time prisoner. Together, we have chosen ecstasy over entertainment. And I know we're gonna be alright. Spastomy! This is madness! Hush! Hush! Aeon Gnostic Radio, an initiation by conversation into the dark corners of myth, magic, and meaning. A crash course in cult, culture, and conspiracy. A virtuous virus invoking and informing history, holiness, and heresy. Each week, I, your host, Miguel Connor, commandeers your connection to bring you the most accepted and rejected scholars and provocateurs to your attention. Fun, compelling, and deeply weird, this is the blow-your-mind cocktail party conversation you always wanted to listen in on. And you never sold out. And, like Doctor Who... You know that it's about compassion and helping the least of our brothers to value all life and take that inward journey. You get it. I'm so grateful for your company here in the desert of the real. As Richard Tarnas wrote, Wisdom, like compassion, often seems to require of us that we hold multiple realities in our consciousness at once. Mark, we don't live in a material world. We live in a psychic world. We're only able to make indirect inferences about the nature of reality. Like take, for example, this pen, right? To me, this is a writing utensil. To my dog, it's a chew toy. Both are accurate. Right? It's just a question of context. Sure, sure. We talk a lot about Yaldibaldi and his Epstein angels on this show. But we also talk a lot about portals and being connected to the magic of the land and its trickster spirits. As I've argued before, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more echo-friendly animist religion than the Manichaeans, the greatest of the Gnostic movements. Thus, we will be discussing portals and the magic of the land in this eternal now. It started out as a semi-impromptu group discussion about the Astronosis Conference in Playa. But the convo became more about cursed and occult America. We dealt with the deep, arcane mysteries of this continent. For this testicle-shocking gnosis, it was great to have Nate the Occult Fan and Steven Snyder, a.k.a. Recluse. Man, does Steven have that eagle vision for all things arcane and conspiratorial, in the same vibe as Chris Knowles, Tracy Twyman, or Whitney Webb. All in all, it was a penetrating conversation, as you will see. In the absence of light, darkness prevails. There are things that go bump in the night, Agent Myers. Make no mistake about that. And we are the ones who bump back. Yes, there is so much magic and spiritual trauma on this continent. Much of it even before any human set 
foot on these shores. But let me give you a secret. If you're looking for mysticism or transcendence, no matter where you live, it's all around. Trust me. You won't have to go far in the U.S., regardless of where you live, to run into an alternative spiritual center, a hidden dark cult, a haunted building, a dimensional portal, UFO visitation areas, Native American esoterica, or wood spirits. Sometimes you'll find most of them mentioned in your own county. And it's just as weird if you go to Canada or Mexico. Trust me, this continent, hell, all continents, are brimming with soul-awakening adventure. It's all around. It's a busy universe out there, as it should be. There is no heaven to go to, because we're in it already. We're in hell, too. They coexist right beside each other. And God is the land. You just have to open your eyes and your heart. Gnosis is the knowledge of the heart, after all. You must keep awakening, and you can't sell out like many in the esoterica and most meat sacks. You can never lose your compassion and wonder how you value all life. You must always let the pain and trauma guide you like it does thunder the perfect mind even the Gnostic Gospels, and Simon while he searches for his lost moon. And you gotta keep writing your own gospel and living your own myth. You need to believe in things that aren't true. How else can they become? As Jung wrote, the world will ask you who you are, and if you don't know, the world will tell you. And as Philip K. Dick wrote, When people dream the same dream, it ceases to be an illusion. Lastly, as Richard Rohr said, Wisdom happily lives with mystery, doubt, and unknowing, and in such living, ironically resolves that very mystery to some degree. I have never figured out why unknowing becomes another kind of knowing. But it surely seems to be. Into another kind of perception where you have that sense of being united to all things. And suddenly, you understand everything. So walk right out of your house today for the darkness and light that is the magical land around you. And so many spirits that beckon you. After our great interview with occult fan and recluse. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. 
They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. By the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe all day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all, at all, at all. And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. This is the Aeon Byte interview, and we have a very special show, a recap of Astronosis and how it got there, how it went, and how it continues to be, we hope, an avenue for a wider consciousness in this world. And we'll be hitting a lot of other cool topics, heretical topics today. With us, we have, for the first time in long overdue, we've got Stephen Snyder, also known as Recluse. Stephen, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me on, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure is all mine, and I was recently on your podcast, The Farm, although the topic was recovery and all that, but then again, everything is recovery if you look at it the right way, no matter what we're doing, if you've got the right perspective. With us, too, as always, it's great to have the man himself, Nathan Lee Miller Foster, the occult fan. How are you doing, Nate? I'm mildly blushing for some reason, Miguel. I think it's just the heat. It's great to be here. Hi, Vance. Hi, Stephen. And hello to the audience in uh, Cancun, Miguel. You are a legend for putting that on. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And yes, we've got the moon dog, Vance Sachi. Vance, how are you doing? Oh, fine. It's going to be a warm one here in California. So getting ready for that. I feel blessed to. I feel blessed here in my uh, hills in West Virginia. It's apparently not sweltering hot today. It's uh, nice, about 73, 74 and overcast. So. Oh, you'll probably have your turn, though, Stephen. <laughs> oh, it's coming. It's coming. It is. Yeah. And, you know, three of us have uh, nicknames, except, and you've dropped yours, Miguel. Do you have a new nickname? Because you're not a Braxis anymore. No, no, I, uh, no. Nothing has come up, so... I can't, I can't, uh, can't embrace anything. So and we'll have to have a contest. I think we're just going to turn him into a symbol. I think that's the level he's at now. Like Prince. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, artist no, no, formerly no, 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 known. He's, he's a podcaster formerly known as Miguel. Yeah. yeah. You've graduated from name. Maybe a Good. big anus. That, oh. That'll be it. <laughs> I think Kurt Vonnegut already used that logo. Yeah. Yeah. That is you true. Know, you you got to take like the eye from the most recent tool album is like your sigil. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> two it's minutes and tool done. is already in the conversation. So, no, I was telling Nate uh, yesterday while we were chatting that uh, we definitely need to do a dedicated tool, AB Live, with, uh, yeah, with slides and everything. And let's put this baby to rest and let this genie out of the bottle to the world. So I'm down with that. 
I don't know if I'd do it for a live, but I would definitely feel like a pre. We can talk about it later. It's it's yeah, it's, yeah. As it's, long as it's, it's a very important thing to get right. And there's pressure at the live. I don't know. We'll figure it out. The right All tool right. for the right job. Hey, man, you got it. <laughs> awesome. We're, awesome. We're all useful tools in the end. <laughs> the euphemisms abound, and so do the puns. So life is as it should be. So, Stephen, well, tell us, we'll start with you. Uh, what brought you to the Astronosis Conference? Tell us about your journey getting there and what you got out of it. And uh, feel free to talk as long as you want. And uh, again, Nate, Vance, ask questions. We're all hosts here, so we can just uh, have a good time. Uh, well, it was uh, quite a long journey for me, I suppose, like in a sense, it started, uh, you know, well over 10 years ago now when I had first discovered the secret sun. Uh, I was really drawn to uh, Chris's blog uh, in no small part due to his interest with the number 17. Um, I was born on December 17th, uh, 1982. So I've always had kind of an ongoing interest in the number myself. And uh, like Chris, I became really fascinated by some of the mystical connections it has, especially with Sirius and the tarot and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, that is basically what had inspired me to get into the blogging game uh, way back in 2010 uh, when I had launched uh, VisUp. A lot of people don't realize that, but it had actually kind of started as a paranormal investigation thing. And uh, I had brought in a lot of this synchro mystical stuff that I had discovered at the Secret Sun into it. And then, you know, over the years, it kind of uh, gradually took on a life of its own, uh, so to speak. So anyway, uh, fast forward to uh, 2020, and uh, that was sort of where uh, I had uh, began kind of a process of a lot of life-changing events. And um, one of them was just basically getting out into the field and traveling again. It was and uh, trying to do, you know, investigations on site and what have you. Uh, this was something, you know, I had done back when I had first started up with some of the paranormal stuff. And even back then, you know, I you know, wasn't really interested and just doing conventional ghost stuff. I mean, we had uh, done Casadega, for instance, in Florida, which is a trip, um, ironically kind of tied to some of the stuff I'll get into here in a little bit when we get to Wisconsin with the uh, connections to spiritualism and so forth. Uh, in fact, in general, I'm a little mind blown by how a lot of this stuff has touched my life for so many years, and I'm only kind of now becoming aware of it. Uh, but anyway, so 2010, I had uh, or late 2019 going into early 2020, I had really become interested in a uh, paranormal series called Hellier, uh, which is probably only going to appeal to a very specific audience, in my personal opinion. Um, but it is nice that it uh, you know, was uh, eventually picked up by Amazon and interjected a lot of uh, synchromysticism into a rather prominent platform uh as far as i'm aware this is like one of the first times uh, synchromysticism really got this kind of shout out openly and uh something you know on that kind of a platform so that was interesting in and of itself uh but more so the kind of people who appear to have been attracted to the series uh, especially the second season so anyway um i'm watching the second season of hell year and i really become fascinated by this town somerset that they're uh looking at especially when they uh interview this guy there called nathan paul isaacs who brought up the bluegrass conspiracy this is uh you know a topic that i'd written on quite a bit over the years it was uh, essentially a uh 
an organized crime syndicate comprised primarily of ex-military and law enforcement officers that was tied into Iran-Contra and what have you uh, during the 1980s. And um, kind of an odd thing, too, to come up in a show like Hellier, which was another reason why Nathan was uh, so fascinating to me. So anyway, this is like right around the time I had launched the farm, uh, both Frank Zero and I, who Frank is the guy who had founded the farm and was uh, the original host, and then I became his co-host, and then eventually I took it on as Frank went on some other stuff. But um, anyway, Frank and I at the time were really quite taken with it, and we had been trying to get some people from Hellier to uh, do some interviews with us for the farm. We had um, interviewed Alan Greenfield already, uh, but I was really intrigued by Nathan. He kind of seemed a bit like a soul after my own with his interest in both sort of the paranormal and a lot of parapolitical topics, which is you know what I'm primarily known for as a researcher. So anyway, um, I had uh, scoured the internet trying to find a way to contact Nathan. They had mentioned the Penny Royal podcast that he was working on in Hell Your Season 2, but there was uh, it's just basically like a web address for it. There was nothing, uh, no website at that point in time when I'm looking for this thing and what have you. I eventually find Nathan on Facebook and I shoot him a message in February, tell him about my podcast, how awesome I thought his little segment was. And, you know, if you'd like to talk at some point, let me know. We probably would have a lot of interesting research to share with each other. And I don't hear anything back. And then about a month later, I get an email uh, to my recluse of Babylonia, one, one I use for my blog, Visup, from Nathan. And he tells me he's a really big fan of my blog. He's been reading it for a couple of months now, and it's been cool. really helpful with the research that he has uh, been doing with Penny Royal. And uh, he was wondering if I'd be willing to chat with them uh, for an interview for the thing. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. So I emailed him back. And I'm like, well, did you ever check the thing on Facebook? I had actually messaged you a couple of weeks ago asking if you would interview, if you would do an interview for me for my podcast. So that kind of like blew Nathan's mind a little bit. And since then, we had a, a lot of uh, synchronicities and so forth. So, um, yeah, that eventually led to my decision uh, in uh, the spring of 2020, just as COVID was bringing out uh, to go visit Somerset in 2020 or to go visit Somerset properly and do the first sort of on field stuff that I had done in a lot of years. And uh, that kind of set in uh, motion a series of events that have just been really crazy. Um I didn't really realize it at the time, but I had uh, crossed paths with somebody in Somerset who would go on to become um, probably the best friend I've ever had in my life. I did not even know them at the time, but uh, I would meet or uh, they would contact me several months later. And also that uh, started the process eventually that led to these uh, mysterious documents that Nathan and the Somerset guys got. Uh, a couple of months after my first visit there, uh, we went over those the second time I came back in 2020 in the fall for the premiere party. Uh, I guess for those of you who haven't really followed Penny Royal, it was um, a cache of documents that Nathan got that purported to be these gold certificates related to the Golden Lily Fund, which was allegedly this gold that uh, Imperial Japan had looted during the Second World War and then had hidden in a series of these you know, underground vaults in the Philippines afterwards. And 
as the story goes, you know, this gold has been used to rig the international gold market for decades. And there's this, you know, these really hush hush markets where these bonds are sold in relation to the gold. And these certificates are copies of these bonds, basically. And there were also these emails in there from this character purporting to be a guy called Henry Fisher and a lot of other interesting things. Most notably, the fact that uh, I myself and my blog was also mentioned in this cache of documents. So anyway, that really blew Nathan's mind and mine once he told me about all of this. So yeah, all of that uh, was very strange and very uh, intriguing. But this was the kind of stuff that had been sort of happening to me uh, whenever I would go traveling. And uh, eventually, you know, it had led me to going out to uh, Salt Lake City in, um, what was it, Uh, early 2021, I think. Or no, summer of 2021. Yes, because it was like right around St. John's Eve. And uh, at that point in time, I had met up with someone uh, who was connected to the documents who had also become one of my uh, close friends in the intervening time frame. And uh, we embarked upon an occult exploration of Salt Lake City. It was uh, just a fascinating experience, especially uh, given the renovations that they're doing to the, uh, the Great Salt Lake Temple. Of course, there have been rumors for years uh, about there being these massive tunnels underneath the salt lake temple but uh i saw them with my own bloody eyes because they've dug up uh so much stuff around there and i got pictures of them too up on my website so yeah that's a thing and um just all the other insane stuff that goes on in slc with a lot of the um you know, the serial killers. And I mean, all this other kind of stuff, of course, Ted Bundy was active there for a while. It's just kind of a hub for like a lot of this weird stuff related to the military industrial complex. It's got one of the, uh, special forces units that would probably be activated in the event of continuity of government being initiated it's right near where the uh the big bioweapons facility is what is it um, oh shoot i can't remember the name of it now but yeah it was just so um you know incredible to see this kind of other side of like a city uh with my one friend who was there And that was one of the things that it kind of inspired us to start doing this, you know, with a lot of different cities and so forth. So this was the kind of stuff I was like kind of now like realizing that I should be doing with my life. And that was, uh, you know, ultimately one of the things that later led me to go to the Astronosics thing about a year later in the spring. So you know, it's been kind of like an ongoing series of journeys with this. And uh, I just keep encountering all of these different motifs. I mean, um, of course, you know, it was, I think, shortly after I had signed up for the Astronostis thing, you guys had mentioned the whole thing with the pyramids. And um, it was interesting because I've always had quite an obsession with uh, the Native American mounds in Appalachia and so forth, which, you know, again, are sort of the... uh, the you know the equivalent of these pyramids you know in the northern part of uh, north america kind of serving like a singular purpose and then of course in um wisconsin you know as i'm sure you're aware there's um was it Zaltonland, i think or something like that uh which in some accounts is allegedly where the the aztecs actually originated from and there's a couple of major pyramids and stuff around there and that kind of thing so you know, I've found that. And then, of course, I mean, with the whole thing with Somerset and the connections to that, I mean, um, you know, again, this is right kind of like through the heart of the Adena and like Hopewell country where you have all of the mounds and that kind of thing. 
And that was just something that's uh, really occurred to me or it's just been showing up so much for me, like in the last couple of months as I've done all these uh, journeys. I mean, in um, 2022, in January, I went to Somerset again. In March, I went to uh, kind of a marathon trip uh, to what was it, Playa del Carmen and then Salt Lake City again back home. And then earlier in March, I had also gone to uh, Milwaukee for the first time. And then uh, most recently, I went back uh, to Somerset and then went to Milwaukee and then I went to Cincinnati. And I've encountered just all of these weird pyramids and what have you and variations on it, such as like the Native American mounds and almost all of the sites that I've ended up and uh, fittingly, too, and I hadn't even planned this, uh, when I was en route from Somerset to the Milwaukee area, I had gone through Indiana, uh, and it was uh, kind of right through the heart of the whole, uh, the Little Egypt section, I guess, that runs kind of between uh, Memphis and the uh, the Mississippi River there, and was the one like the Ohio or something like that, Um but yeah, I mean, it's principally like in Illinois, but it goes up through Indiana, some parts of Tennessee and just kind of that whole, you know, weird region with a lot of those sort of biblical names from the Near East and so forth. And um, yeah, it's just been really amazing to see a lot of this stuff and um, to kind of, uh, I guess, see a different side of the country. And I mean, really, this sort of mysticism that's been ingrained for so many years uh, one of the things that, you know, I had really started to pick up uh, with Hellier and then sort of later, like looking at uh, Somerset and some of the other areas in the country I've started to seeing or see in person was really the significance of, um, you know, I mean, I guess what you would refer to as ley lines or, you know, energy vortexes across the earth. I mean, I'd always been just sort of ambiguous about this stuff. But I mean, in the case of like <clears throat> Somerset and Hellier, for that matter, the 37th parallel runs right through it. Right. And that's, you know, the one that's kind of known as the UFO superhighway because there's all kinds of insane 14 events and stuff. And it goes right through the four quarters area, the borders, you know, with Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, um, and Arizona. And it ends up uh, right at the heart of San Francisco and Santa Cruz. And then over in my neck of the woods in West Virginia, it goes through uh, Bloody Mango County, which is just a little south of Mothman country and so forth. So there's a lot of this kind of insane stuff there. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've seen a couple of these areas now with my own two eyes, and it's not just the weird stuff. It's all of the freaking just strange. Well, I mean, this is also weird, but I mean, not you know, necessarily, I should say, kind of the supernatural stuff. It's also just the strange murders and all the other things that happen. I mean, one of the weird things with like Somerset and Bloody Mango County in West Virginia that's an odd parallel is how both of these communities witnessed the assassination of a very corrupt sheriff, like in the 1980s, I believe. And just in general, the litany of organized crime that's carried on in like those two areas in Kentucky in West Virginia with the mob and so forth, you go over into Utah um, at the border with uh, Utah and Arizona. I mean, the one side you've got uh, oh, the one city or town now that's name escapes me, but it was where Warren Jeffs and the uh, fundamentalist Mormon church were set up for a lot of years. And I mean, obviously Jeffs was an arch pedophile and so forth. And then right across on the Utah side, you've got the headquarters for the Best Friends Animal Society, which was the successor organization to the Process Church, the Final Judgment. So that's kind of weird, but you've got those kind of people intersecting within a 30-mile uh, 
you know, uh, sector of one another, right in the four quarters, right in the midst of the 37th parallel. And then you get over finally ending up like in Santa Cruz and San Francisco. I mean, you know, I probably don't even need to mention the insane amount of serial killers and cults (laughs) and what have you that are active in that area. So there's a lot of mental instability. There are a lot of horrible murders. There are a lot of strange cults, all kinds of stuff going through the freaking 37th. It's insane. And then bizarrely enough, I just realized today, that, or not today, but a few days ago, that uh, there seems to be something similar with the 42nd parallel. Uh, bizarrely, it was uh, from looking through Michael A. Hoffman's stuff that I picked up on this. Um, essentially, the 42nd parallel runs through sort of the whole area in the burnt out district in New York. Uh, and it kind of got the designation, the psyche highway there, because Mormonism and spiritualism and a lot of this other stuff originated from that whole area. But I mean, I'm looking at this and then it sort of occurred to me that the 42nd parallel also runs right around like the border of Wisconsin and the southern part of it. And for those of you who are unaware of this, I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff uh, in southern Wisconsin right around that border. Um, Of course, there's a lot of Native American mounds, and uh, that kind of blew my mind just driving along this area. I drew along it before I was aware of the 42nd parallel, by the way, so that was another interesting thing. But it's like I had not realized that there were this many Native American mounds that far north. But I mean, southern Wisconsin, there's a lot of them around the Lake Mills, Fort Atkinson area also where Zalton land is and all this other places. And then you keep going um, all the way out to Devil's Lake, uh, which was used as a vortex point uh, by occultists uh, connected to Michael Bertrio in communication with Kenneth Grant, theoretically to summon the Lovecraftian old ones. There were mounds there too. It's just a little north of the 42nd parallel and the 43rd. It's uh, just a little north also of Sox City, where Arkham Publishing was set up to continue Lovecraft's uh, publishing legacy. So um, also the House on the Rock is uh, right off of the 42nd parallel along this route. That's uh, the, the place that was famously depicted in Neil Gaiman's American Gods book. So all this uh, stuff yeah. is like right there off of the 42nd parallel. And then the 42nd parallel, if you keep following it, um, you know, further west goes right through like the north of Utah as well. So it sort of perpetuates with that sort of Mormon connection. But it's weird, you know, with this sort of psychic highway. And for me, it was um, strange that, you know, I had already been kind of like following these different directions on the 37th because of my stuff with Hellier and then kind of figuring out on this most recent journey I was on, I had been traveling right along the 42nd parallel, seeing all this weird stuff, uh, these strange locations. Also, the Beast of Briar Road, the the Wisconsin werewolf narrative, uh, that also happened along the 42nd. Uh, you got like Lake Geneva, which was sort of like a hipster area for ministry and some of these other bands right, who've yeah. been, you know, connected with some weird stuff right there in the 42nd. So, man, it was kind of mind blowing to me because I uh, had just driven this without being aware of it. But I was just at the time just like, man, why are we seeing all of these Native American mounds and all this other weird stuff like right along this road? Uh, I can't remember the highway now off the top of my head on the way to Devil's Lake of all places where there was supposedly this vortex open to some of the Lovecraftian old ones. 
And this was, you know, I mean, a deliberate, that at least was something I had deliberately sought out. One of the things I had been trying to do with this most recent series of travels was visit all these spots that had been linked to these uh, occult groups that Kenneth Grant was in communication with in the 1970s. Um, They were trying to open up vortexes to the Lovecraftian old ones. Another one was the Bake Ball based out of Cincinnati, hence the reason why I ended up in Cincinnati. But they had actually done a lot of their workings around the Somerset area. Uh, at Lake Harrington and so forth. Lake Harrington was another one of the spots that I had encountered and might have actually been the reason why it ended up going through Little Egypt and uh, Indiana on my way to uh, the 42nd parallel. So, yeah, I mean, I just sort of got this incredible crash course in mystical toponymy throughout, uh, I would say, 2022. And a lot of it, I just, uh, some of it I was aware of, I mean, but a lot of it was just kind of unintentional. But it had reminded me of, um, you know, our conversation that we had had during the interview I had done with you, Miguel, about how you just sort of follow these synchronicities sometimes where they take you. And uh, that had really been, you know, what I had been trying to do. I mean, of course, uh, my whole interest in going out to Wisconsin was partly uh, inspired by David Barsky, who's a mutual friend of Nathan Lee's and mine. Of course, Nathan Lee and I had never met each other until we had... uh, encountered one another at the astronautics conference, even though we had apparently known quite a few of the same people for a few years now. Uh, Barsky had put me in contact with somebody I'd very much wanted to see in uh, the Milwaukee area, which had kind of started uh, the series of journeys that I've been on up there and, you know, just kind of gradually uncovering this just mystical side of America that's, you know, so mind-blowing. And, uh, I mean, you can see it even prior to colonial times uh, with the Native American monuments and so forth. And, uh, you know, that was kind of something else that I uh, had done on my last series of journeys was head out to Serpent Mound. That was kind of like another reason why the thing with the mounds in Wisconsin was so striking, because we had planned to do Serpent Mound. That was uh, something that I was planning on doing, but I had not uh, expected to just keep covering these mounds over and over again as I was going throughout these uh, travels, which was, um, you know, it was really interesting. So, yeah, I mean, eventually we ended up in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is, you know, again, just another, uh, it's one of the most occultic cities I've seen, and I've definitely seen a couple of them right now. Um, it's kind of like a combination of this uh, town in Maryland, Cumberland, that I used to go to as a kid with a lot of these, you know, brick industrial buildings. And then this sort of striking Greco-Roman architecture, like out of D.C. with all of these occult symbols. And uh, for the Bay Cabal, they had dubbed this sort of region, the Cincinnati Vortex, uh, because they, you know, they deemed it kind of a power zone. Of course, it stretched all the way from Cincinnati down to the Somerset area. And uh, we had looked, I had looked at another um, site that they had used uh, for the rituals, in this case, Spring Grove Cemetery. And uh, we had ended up uh, going out to the Serpent Mound as well and all this other good stuff. But I mean, it was just uh, kind of fascinating to see how there was so much intersection with a lot of this. I mean, of course, the Serpent Mound is not that far from the Cincinnati area. And of course, that whole, you know, region in the Ohio Valley was just a wash and Native American mounds from the Hopewell and uh, the Adena cultures. 
So uh, yeah, it just, uh, it really fit. And I believe Cincinnati is just a little further north of this 37th parallel as well. But I kind of found myself sort of traveling between uh, those two in the course of my journeys and had experienced a lot of these uh, strange overlaps. And again, you know, in a sort of odd synchronistic level, I mean, I also got some of that too when I was down in um, Playa del Carmen with you guys, especially with the pyramids and just sort of encountering people uh, who had intersected with a lot of these groups uh that i've just you know recently started to forge relationships with in the last couple of years so um it's really been kind of a mind uh blowing experience for me and certainly um <laughs> something where you know again i've looked at a lot of this stuff i mean from sort of an academic level as a researcher from a lot of years but sort of consciously beginning the process of experiencing it in my day-to-day life when i had first ventured out to somerset um in the spring of uh, 2020 and then just sort of the ongoing stuff that's happened. I mean, it ends up with me uh, in this occult Mecca of Cincinnati with uh, John Brisson. We've read the documents and um, people who ironically uh, had some connections to those mysterious documents. The Penny Royal people got Um, though. These folks are uh, great friends of mine, Uh, nothing nefarious about them or anything, but they know some of the people tied in with those documents inadvertently. So uh, it's kind of another weird thing. And of course, my uh, my esteemed research partner, Keith Allen Dennis, um, who ironically had always wanted to explore the Serpent Mounds and uh, series of events, I was able to help him do it. So uh, that was kind of an awesome uh, bonus of all this as well. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of an odd thing for me, but I mean, it's been pretty remarkable. I sort of uh, have put together this informal uh, traveling society of people who go around and investigate these strange cult uh, monuments in the country and explore just the mysteries of what I think America truly is, uh, especially when you start to get outside of the big box stores and you know, <laughs> yeah. really look at some of this amazing stuff that's out there. I mean, it's, it's just sad that more people don't do this and you know i'm kind of hoping through kind of doing some interviews like this and some of the things that i'm going to be doing on my patreon and uh some of the podcasts i've got planned that i'll inspire some more people to go on these kinds of journeys at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Very cool. Love what you're doing, Stephen. And yeah, I think, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, and we've talked about, well, it's twofold. Once you decide you're going to take the inner journey, the journey of awakening, then yes, there will be sinks. But then these things will take you to places where you'll realize that this universe is a lot weirder than you could ever imagine. But you have, all of us have some sort of mission or flow into this universe of high weirdness. The other one is too, in the show, we've talked about portals in different places, Europe, Asia, and all that. And obviously the United States has its own portal and mystic energies like everywhere in the land. Sometimes people... 
uh, will call me or message me and say, oh, man, I live in this little town here and there. I want to go somewhere cool. I'm like, you don't understand. If you open your eyes, if you look, no matter where you are in America, you're going to find some uh, some haunted places, some ghost energy, some portals. You'll probably find some sort of cult somewhere or some weird religion if you look hard enough but it's all over this country stevens and uh it's amazing when you open your eyes and you sort of go in the flow with this and uh well nate what do you think i've never been accused of thinking um (laughs) i I will give it a shot for the first time on this episode um yeah man i think there's a lot of there's no way to i respect steven's ability uh he has a great mix of that Sagittarius with the Capricorn, which you just witnessed, like he can structure a lot of great information and make it exciting and information exciting the whole way through. Uh, just you know, throwing compliments left and right like a Libra. I think that uh, thirty-seven obviously pops up. We could talk about that. Um, I think that I wanted to mention that a lot of things are only going to get more strange. Uh, you made me think of Color Out of Space. Uh, there's a character named that's uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Of course, that connects to the belly bass thing with the Cathars. And um, I think that we're going to see a lot more of the revelations of who we are and what we're here to do. Like Mark Twain talking about like the day we're born and the day that we realize why I think that um, exactly what we're referring. I actually, to- I mean, I almost feel more like Dr. <laughs> who or something like that. Uh, sure. No, you'll be Dr. Who. I'll be know, Dr. I mean, well, I mean, just more. It'll sense, be good. Like, but that, almost- just to let me finish. Just to let me finish. Okay, just okay. let me finish my, my point. Um, hold on. What was I just saying? Like, um, Basically, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot more of people coming out and understanding this. So basically, it's this. Let me just finish my point. There's people who are going to come out and realize that they're here divinely and they're going to start to live the spiritual natures. This might involve seeing even things that you wouldn't expect. I'm not going to say I'm not going to name these things, but tangible things that used to not be. There will be people who will start to get more into the um, technocratic but the people who don't, this other upward spiral of society, are going to start to see more of this like instant uh, destiny kind of karma stuff. Because I think, like for example, here's my example, and then I'll, I'll finish. Like I realized a year ago that I was a, uh, uh, I, I had no, like Stephen said, I had no idea. And like I keep hearing like Nathan and Hellier and all, I, I don't have time to address everything, but I had no idea last year that I was a descendant of a woman who was hanged. And I'm going to get a little emotional, but I'm okay. As I mentioned in the Cancun presentation, Susanna Martin is her name. I spent the eclipse at her memorial. Very powerful moments. Another Sagittarius came out, and he uh, would like to give respect to Jim Ryan, the keeper of the rock. That's the Susanna Martin Memorial. And I spent time there. He gave me a pamphlet that has a connection to the family. The Martin uh, family has someone who wrote about a witch in the family. I think you'll find this very interesting. They actually don't do the normal, like, oh, it was just herbs. You talk about, yeah, witchcraft was being practiced. And what's the ultimate result of this? The Age of Enlightenment began. So there's a lot of stuff to look into that we're going to see more unfolding, like Neil Kramer talks about. I'm really excited for this. Um, I'm doing a great job condensing all of this, but there's a lot of powers. A lot of us are going to start to understand more of who we are divinely. Uh, the biggest thing for me, yeah, I'm just starting to get into that whole uh, Lawrence, Sir Lawrence Gardner uh, grail stuff, which, I mean, it's been right there in my face the whole time, but that's kind of like, where my quest is taking me once in future King type of stuff. Very fascinating. And uh, it's interesting note to finish that Tracy Twyman herself, uh, I saw the name Devere and I went, Oh, Tracy. So there's a, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. And I think a lot of us are going to start to, you know, see a lot of ancient 
Akashic level kind of um, maybe past life and destiny stuff really drilling in like me rock star touring. So that's my thing for now. Thanks for that. And what do you think, Stephen? Is this, uh, do you think there's a massive shift or just some people are waking up? Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think that there's, well, I mean, I think that, yeah, there is a massive shift. And I mean, I think that, I mean, people are going though, like in different directions. Um, I mean, on the one hand, you know, it does seem like that in some ways, especially with the rise of the lockdowns and I mean, a lot of the other, uh, you know, things related to this. I mean, it has been an ongoing process of dehumanization. And um, I mean, it's really taken the toll on a lot of the masses. Uh, I don't think there's any question of that. And, um, you know, certainly, I mean, uh, you know, for those of you unaware, I mean, I'm a cook professionally. I mean, hopefully I'll be able to transition out of that sooner or later, but um, hopefully sooner. But, um, you know, so, I mean, I, uh, you know, I do, I, you know, I'm here with a lot of like working class stiffs and so forth. And I mean, I just, you know, I feel like to some extent, a lot of them have lost some of their humanity in the last couple of years. And I mean, especially as an ongoing result of this just insane barrage of psychological warfare that's been going on i mean people are actually now starting to rationalize how i mean a nuclear war you know with russia wouldn't be that bad I mean, oh, just, God, yeah. you know <laughs> this is other insanity so there is that um you know and it's frightening but on the other hand i mean i also think that there are people who are going through a lot of transformations now and, um, you know, are sort of ascending, even though I don't like to use this kind of language, frankly, to, uh, you know, something greater. I mean, just in my own case, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, I've almost become like an entirely different person in the last three years. I mean, certainly I feel like I've learned that I have a lot of skills and so forth that I never imagined that I had. And it seems like a lot of people are in that boat right now. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things you sure talked about uh, is the issue with labor right now. I mean, first there was a scarcity and now, I mean, I guess what the complaint is that it's becoming too expensive and uh, while simultaneously productivity is declining. And uh, there's been a lot of reasons that have been thrown around with that. I mean, of course, a lot of conservative commentators are blaming it on the, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of the social programs that were initiated because of COVID and so forth. But I mean, I think a lot of it just ultimately boils down to the fact that there were people, you know, during the lockdowns who took advantage of it and learned how to do things that enabled them to, you know, really get out of a dependency uh, on, you know, I mean, their day jobs. I mean, again, I would kind of consider myself to be in the same boat. Uh, I still need to cook a couple of days a week, but I mean, if I had to do without that, you know, without doing that, I mean, I could financially because I figured out other ways of making money. And I think a lot of people are, you know, kind of in that same boat right now. Uh, we don't need to continue doing, you know, these soulless, uh, <clears throat> meaningless, you know, marginal job labor jobs. So why bother with it? And, uh, you know, that's kind of an ongoing thing that's playing out. So, I mean, I think on the one hand, uh, there are people, I mean, who are just, you know, out there, we're living our lives, you know, we're finding each other, we're finding uh, different ways to make it in this, uh, this uh, catastrophic world, whatever you want to call it uh, right now. And then, I mean, there are other people who are just totally succumbing to, uh, you know, I mean, all of just the negativity and the hostility and the psychological warfare and the information operations that are playing out right now for multiple factions. And uh, I mean, it's a sad thing to witness. 
Can I just observe that it's also on the other end of it? Just to, you know, why don't we just, you'll throw the tragedy mask, I'll throw the comedy. Like that pressure <laughs> is what we need for us types to alchemize. Some of us need that level of oomph. You know, I mean, this is a much bigger, I'm just going to just do the, the, like magnify up 10, tenfold. Like what's happening now might be like a result of something that's much bigger karma than I have to possibly understand. Maybe I'm not, it's never like the best of the times, the worst of the times to deny that. It's just to say that right now at this intensity, at least it's not that Pluto Capricorn that we had uh, with the Saturn and Capricorn with the Jupiter there. Like things are going to get better. That was the worst, literally the worst. There's going to be hard times and good times, good times, bad times, Led Zeppelin. But I think that we're really past the worst of it. And this is the point where we just need to dig into being the people who construct a better world because we are the adults who have to vibrate or pulse out the reality manifestation and i hope that we can do that the best we can i'd love to see you all all of all four of us independent making our way through our energy through our art or your podcast or whatever you call your your creation so i love that for all of us and for anyone listening who's sincere about doing the work i hope this for you too so yeah that's what i got i don't know what what what, what did i just say thank you it was beautifully said and what yeah, i agree this is, as I say, it may not be the best time to be alive, but it's the best time to be awake. This is the moment. Dream time's coming. Look inward. You'll find new dimensions to yourself. Uh, worst thing that will happen is that your old life will be completely destroyed, but you will be in the flow with the ghosts and the spirits of this country and other countries. So there is, uh, there's certainly a great opportunity for awakening and yes, 20, when 2020 happened, and I feel it's still happening, whatever weirdness the Archons are throwing at us, and they're just going to keep ramping up the old playbook of world events and so forth, uh, uh, we, can, we can definitely thrive. So, um, Vance, do you have a question or a comment on this? Oh, like uh, I got a whole page of notes here, but uh, <laughs> first of all, I was wondering uh, what everybody thought about uh, whether or not this whole economic uh, seemingly uh, on the verge of collapse was actually being engineered. You know, I'm I'm a child of the 60s, so I'm probably older than all you guys, and I remember the, the era where Russia claimed they were going to bury us, right? And so now, looking at today, it almost seems like, hey, you know, they started it back then and it's finally happening. But uh, but I don't know who's behind it. I have I have a direct answer to your just to your thing, like about cycles, like Martin Armstrong yes. would say that, you know, everything moves in cycles and that the rise of the empires and the falls are built into the same, you know, seed. And so I don't know, like, I think that uh, to your point, if anyone's really interested in this, the place to get further ongoing information in real time. Uh, I would suggest Socrates, the government or whatever, try to kill this guy like twice over this information. Uh, that's what I think about a useful source to understand the stuff, because that's uh, yeah, that's above my pay grade. So I listen to Martin Armstrong. But that's what that was my just response to the war thing. in Economics. Yes, sir. But it, you see, my part of that cycle might be the rise of um, you know enemies of a certain empire. Right. That come in, of course. Right. So it seems like we're you know, there's a lot of like uh, uh, we just heard there's a lot of uh, 
places from which this is coming cultural economic you know and the uh, pol political especially but uh, oh i was gonna say about the 37th parallel i used to live on the 37th parallel and work i worked in santa cruz i lived in san jose oh wow yeah scotty's oh. castle and death valley's on the 37th virginia beach the are association research enlightenment oh tunnels um I'm pretty sure there are tunnels under the Rosicrucian complex in San Jose. I was told that by a former high official in the Rosicrucians um, who, who ghosted me after a while after uh, because she told me this before she rose up in, in the organization. And then she ghosted me after that. And I uh, wanted to point out too that the northern boundaries of California, Utah, and Nevada are the 37th parallel, literally. Oh, wow. And the southern bar, uh, um, the southern border of Utah, Colorado, and Kansas is the 47th. And I think the uh, area 51 probably is very close to the 42nd parallel. So. Um, yeah, no, it's really interesting with Utah. I think it's like what the southern border is like right along the 37th and then the northern one is like right along the 42nd. So it's like right. the whole state is sort of like in that kind of sweet Bracket, spot, right? if you will. Uh, I which think I again, got it backwards, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> which again, I mean, it's, you know, again, if you've ever been there, I mean, it's such a, just the, uh, the territory is just so fascinating. I mean, it's very desertous, but I mean, there it's different kinds of deserts in different parts of the state. And I mean, like the northern desert, Deserts, like the what was it the uh, the salt flats I think I mean it's almost like being on um, an alien planet or something like <laughs> yeah. that I mean you can see for miles it's it's really amazing it's almost like where you would film like fake footage if you were trying to fake oh they do i mean a lot of like a lot of the commercials like you see too for like you know race cars like in the deserts you know i mean are filmed like right there because i mean it's one of the few deserts in the world where you can just literally see for like miles and miles and it doesn't you know change overnight right. because of like sand dune or the sand dune shifting and stuff like that well so. they just did the they just did the um the shinning the uh, quiet boy do you want to get sued uh, we just did the, the we had the, <laughs> we had the shining thing. Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all day. Uh, we had the shiny thing, and that's uh, got the whole non moon landing thing on it too, with the Apollo Eleven on Danny's oh, shirt. Yeah. So they they yeah, because Kubrick fake. Well, anyways, I'm just saying you could use those deserts to fake a Mars, and you know enjoy your enjoy your totally real pictures of space. There's also it, I believe that whole area plays into what was it the. Sixth season of Doctor Who or something like that. It was one of the Matt Smith ones. It was the one with the silence where uh, the yeah, Doctor dies. America. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's in Nevada, but I think they ended up at the part with Utah and then like, oh my you know, there's God. the whole Are subplot with Richard Nixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Wait, yeah. is that the astronaut, the faded astronaut one? Yes, I believe so. And then oh, the, they dear. made that kind of animated movie that was related to it also that takes yeah. place in Area 51 that's like really interesting too. But um. You know, the yeah, day that he came out, the show came out on JFK's assassination, right? Like, officially, like... Oh, it did? Well, and, oh, no, 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 no. And oh, yeah, yeah, the, the original reboot, Doctor. Yeah, yeah. Did, when they did, did the reboot, when they did the... Well, when they did the reboot with Eccleston, who they screwed completely because he's a Scot, uh, they took um, a JFK jab and they made fun of the uh, thing. Because if you remember the trash can, like, you remember they turned Mickey or whatever into a trash can that episode, the very first one? They got this guy saying all this stuff about JFK and he's a conspiracy theorist. That's the very first episode. Oh man, you know, that's definitely a trip, man. Um, but yeah, that's just, and that's like what I'm saying, you know, and this is, 
you know, sort of going into to build upon, um, you know, one of the points I think Miguel was getting at earlier, and I think that's important to emphasize. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, this is a dark time uh, to live in. I mean, obviously, I mean, a lot of people think that about the time that they live in, but I mean, I don't know that um, a lot of generations have been confronted with the con- the prospect of nuclear annihilation to the extent that we currently are. So, I mean, it's probably fairly unique in history. Let's just say I'll do with a Grand so, Morrison and say, can we at least find the humor in it yeah yeah well that's what i'm getting to okay so it's times are bleak in a lot of levels but i mean you can't let that stop you from living your lives and i mean that for me is a big part of why i started doing these journeys even in the midst of when the covid lockdowns were breaking down because for me more than anything i wanted to rediscover wonder in the world and I've very much accomplished that. In fact, I have encountered things so miraculous in the last two and a half years or so that I could have never even begun to imagine when I began these journeys. And again, you know, this is a big part of why I've uh, tried to make more of an effort to chronicle this stuff in my blogs and my podcasts and some of the other stuff that I'm going to be going doing in the future. Because, you know, I think it's important for people to try to have these sort of experiences and to realize that there is an alternative uh you know, to the mechanized, soulless, artificial world that so much of us exists in, you know, you just got to, you know, be willing to go out there and find it. And I mean, in doing so, I always kind of say this uh, whenever I get back from the trips, uh, you know, you'll also find a lot of amazing people along the way. And frankly, that's, you know, what makes a lot of this stuff ultimately worth it. You know, I mean, I kind of feel like in the case of uh, the places I've been to, like SLC or Somerset or Milwaukee, I mean, you know, there's a lot of interesting things about all these places, no doubt. But I mean, more than anything, they got a lot of amazing freaking people there. I mean, just wandering around, you know, I mean, when I was in like Milwaukee, I encountered, was it Frankie Latinia, the guy who did Modus Operanda, you know, the Danny Trejo film, just walking in downtown. Uh, I ended up going to a pub with uh, one of the uh, brothers featured in the Super Noble Brothers documentary, you know, I mean, just absolutely fascinating time. Somerset, I mean, same thing, you know, just kind of hanging out with Daniel Dutton. I mean, the artist, uh, musician there and hearing some of his stories, you know, I mean, uh, there's just so many fascinating characters that I've encountered in these places. And I think for me, at least, that's the best part of all of it beyond all the weird stuff I've seen in the synchronicities and what have you. It really is the connections that you make along the way. And I mean, I think that is maybe the most valuable thing about doing this kind of stuff because you realize not just that there is wonder in the world, but I mean, how interconnected we are. I mean, kind of like sort of pointing out the thing with uh, Playa del Carmen, it was sort of a... I mean, I guess in some ways, like um, an appendix or something to some of these other journeys that I've been doing, because it was a bit different. It was a bit outside of uh, some of the other travels. But I mean, it is to me interrelated because of the people that I encountered there. And I mean, the fact that Chris is so much a part of uh, what started all of this for me years ago. And uh, a lot of ways, it kind of brought things full circle, uh, finally getting to meet Chris in person during the uh, Astronautics Conference. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I think really brings meaning and value into your lives. And I mean, you know, you've uh, you've got to experience it. And I just think too many people uh, are hesitant to do so in this day and age. Extraordinary, right? Run into any aliens along the way or people you suspected? Uh, weren't I did see fun? my first UFO during uh, this whole, you know, experience that I've been going on. And to be quite frank, uh, it, it was really... Um, 
it was nothing man i mean i seriously like walked outside of like my cabin one night i like looked up in the sky i saw like a ufo like going around and what have you and then it just literally blinked out of existence before my eyes and i was just kind of like eh, whatever jesus i went on like i think the next day i emailed chris knowles and i was like bro i think i saw a ufo and it just didn't impress me in the slightest (laughs) (laughs) even they're losing their their luster (laughs) yeah like i mean some of the other stuff i've already gone through and experienced was way more incredible i'm just like dude I, i this is like where i'm like man people go their whole life like waiting to see this shit and i just saw it and i was like dude i've seen i've experienced way cooler stuff than this come on i'm glad you brought the ufo up I saw one the other day. Uh, it, it it was one of those kind of like, did I wait? Like you have to process it because the the structure, the the crap, like from east to south by southeast, was accelerating and like ascending in a. I want to say like, was that like ninety ninety degree right? Like diagonally above the moon. So I was like, wait, above the moon is that can can things airplanes moon? Wait, what? <laughs> And so, like, it took me a second. And I'm like, oh, my God. And by the time, like, you know, rational, like, I'm like, because, like, the whole time subconscious, I'm like, oh, I'm seeing a UFO. But, like, the brain was like, wait, we're seeing what? And I'm like, that it's above the moon. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It's above the moon, Nate. It's like, whoa. So, Nathan Lee saw a UFO, too. And I'm glad you brought it up because uh, that's uh, pretty, pretty uh, timely on me, too. I was like, that's cool. But, you know. Well, you can't I, tell I can't, really what it is, right? It might be something that, you know, is more ordinary that is seen from a, you know, different perspective. For example, if you look at jets in the sky, they look like they're going straight up if you look at them No, right no, angle. I under, I understand. No, I I've done this. No, I, I I appreciate that. No, this is this is yeah, no. This was definitely a different motion, uh, energy around it like absolutely. I wouldn't have brought it up if it was a jet. Like I absolutely, my, well, I'm not saying it was a jet. But no, I'm no, like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'm just, I'm just, like, it definitely was not a jet. But um, like uh, I'll say this though, it was not as uh, impressive as uh, it was when I saw it back on Easter, and then the next Easter when it was more like a ball of light and shooting straight up, which I think was more of a willow the wisp. This thing actually seemed more like a structure craft. We do, to be fair, have just advances. You know, we do have an airport like in a spitz distance from here. But I really, really got to tell you, man. If you see structure or whatever, that's a different story. If you really want to see uh, some strange stuff, get a hold of a pair of uh, third or fourth generation night vision goggles and look up there some night. Then you'll start to see some really weird stuff moving up there. I don't know whose it is because it's far up. You know, it's high altitude and you can't make structure out. But uh, I always say, always, um, always make sure that you know where it started and where it ends. Follow it until it ends. I saw one was a tumbling candle one time in San Jose. And it just, there was no question that it was there because I saw it through binoculars and I could actually see the cylindrical structure through the binoculars, but it wasn't hovering or flying. It was, I followed it for 20 minutes and there was a flame coming out of one side. And so you think, oh, well, it was a rocket booster, but what rocket booster would, you know, you know, last for 20 minutes? Um, you know, it was just weird. It might have been, but I could never find, you know, I could never find which, uh, and it was the wrong direction, by the way, for a rocket booster, because Vandenberg was to the south of San Jose, and this was uh, basically to the northeast. So who knows what it was, but it was weird. Those tunnels you mentioned, though, that's interesting. The um, Yes. Tom DeLong has a song with his angels and airwaves called Tunnels. 
<laughs> I think that's a you know, it's like tribute. another thing like every place I go to seems to have some kind of mythos with like tunnels because obviously Somerset you know and Hellier they went into all this stuff with um oh was it the mammoth caves system and all that other stuff it's and, the archetype and, dude yeah and then a Cincinnati is big in the Tartaria mist we actually like went to one of the buildings that was allegedly the entrance to Tartaria and some oh no crap. yeah yeah we were actually gonna go, we were gonna go into the subway tunnels but um yeah we found a like uh some pretty rough looking homeless people who apparently live there and were deterred from doing so but uh yeah that's kind of another interesting thing that kept showing up <laughs> I don't have any evidence, but I'm pretty sure they're boring tunnels deep in the earth because you've heard all these, and these are real, these stories of the weird hums that people experience in towns for certain periods of time. Yeah, man. And they, and they crop up here, they crop up there. They're they're boring stuff under the ground, I'm sure of it. There's a I Scottish mean, band called Mogwai on their third album uh, called Rock Action, named after, I believe, Iggy Pop's uh, bandmate, 2001. Yeah. It, it's called, the song is called Boring Machine disturbs sleep <laughs> now see of course no one on the surface pun intended would think that they're talking about a, oh it's a lame boring machine but they're talking about the machines that right. do the operation that you obviously know yeah which are real john lear who yeah. recently passed away bless his soul uh he claimed that there are tunnels underneath uh california going into nevada for that the navy has that they take the submarines into Oh, and for sure. So I they, bet that's true. Submarines. And, yeah, it sounds feasible. And Pink Floyd, you know, that takes money. And Pink Floyd did the song Money, where they use his jets, the Lear jets. Yep. So, yes. Well, his father invented the Lear jets. Was that his father? I'm just yes. going with the name, dude. It's yeah, his, Bill Lear. Yeah, I bet Bill... you he owns those. Well, he did. Well, he, he, died a, he died a poor man, though. I guess oh, he had no. a problem with his wife and the whole thing. But Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's yeah, not. He, let's not. Praise Sophia. Praise Sophia. Praise Sophia. <laughs> Awesome. Well, this has been really a great conversation, but we are getting at the end. Uh, before we go, uh, Stephen, maybe you could tell the audience uh, two things. One, what advice do you have for people today who are searching or might be maybe freaking out? And then where can people find out more about you? Uh, well, I mean, I'm always hesitant to give advice, but I mean, um, you know, again, I guess like ultimately, you know, you just got to... I guess, take chances, really. I mean, I think that uh, that's kind of the hardest thing for a lot of people to do, because I mean, there is so much social pressure right now. I mean, to conform, um, I mean, everybody needs to be oh, yeah. in like a neat kind of uh, camp or grouping or something like that. And a lot of people don't want to be uh, perceived as being outside of it. So I mean, that's like really the big thing it takes. Uh, granted, I mean, a certain amount of courage, you know, you've got to be willing to stand up and uh, do something distinct. But I mean, a lot of times, when you're willing to do that, I mean, you'll be surprised at things that come into your life because of it. And a lot of times, I mean, they are deeply positive. So, you know, that's really the first step. I mean, you've got to be willing to take some chances, change. I mean, what you're doing, who you are, I mean, who you're associating with and, you know, just see what comes out of it. A lot of times, I mean, that's a big part of the journey is just uh, seeing the unexpected results of your actions, I guess. Um in any way as to where to find me um 
You can find uh, my podcast, The Farm, on Spotify. Just uh, Google The Farm Mach 2 on Spotify, and uh, it will come up. And also, I'm on Patreon if you want to sign up there and subscribe. Uh, you know, I do more in-depth articles. You also get two additional full-length shows per month. And uh, uh, also, if you go up uh, to the uh, maximum amount, uh, you get uh, even more State of the Unions from me and uh, articles and all kinds of other exclusive content. And finally, I am the author of Strange Tales of the Parapolitical, Post-War Mercenaries, Nazis, and Other Secret Histories, and A Special Relationship, Trump, Epstein, and the Secret History of the Anglo-American Establishment, both of book one, both of which are available on Amazon, and I will hopefully have a forthcoming book coming out at some point this year. Awesome. Well, we certainly want to talk to you about that. Awesome. Uh, Nate, let us know your gnosis. No. <laughs> okay um basically 399 and you can get 69 69 69 yeah um miguel you know, how do you feel about tool man who exactly <laughs> who was that is that some like emo grunge band what, what who's who's that i so, don't know i think it's what the i think the go-go's are getting back together and oh i thought it was tool. shakira and rihanna having yeah. like a, a moon child and that's okay so any uh, that's probably actually actually what it is so anyways now that we know um so, uh, yeah no i've been i'll say this um nathan lee and his deep state is my music um i am really gearing up into leading into like rebranding and making myself much more in the 2.0 podcasting commerce. So I'm a podcaster. I have six of swords, six of discs, six of wands and six of cups. I run all four on a rotation, a little high dish right now. I kind of was in Cancun and all this other stuff. I'm a musician of very many different influences, but ultimately it's upward spiraling music with good messages. It's sexy at the same time. It's something that is classical and uplifts like something a rich person would listen to in their house kind of thing. My writing is to come I am working on a few different things. I just recently had a big discovery with the listing of the Holy Gift, and you can actually discover the Holy Gift now uh, using the vinyl, and I will get into that another time, but big, 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 big one. And uh, yeah, I guess, uh, so Holy Gift, Rockstar, Sex Symbol, what else? Um, not much else to say besides I just found out I'm a descendant of a woman that I feel like is very uh, wrongfully treated in history, and I'm starting to look into like ancestral healing and stuff like that. But I'm also staying focused on just learning how to create the most uh, profound works I can. And uh, I have not much else to say, except I'm grateful for this experience today. And I love you guys. Like, just I like you guys a lot. You're cool. It's taking my Venus back a bit. But, you know, it's uh, it's been a really good time. And uh, I really hope that everyone listening has gotten something edifying from this. And don't forget, this is the eclipse where you can definitely let go of old things to let new things in. Because no matter what it is, like Miguel talks about with the myth, and that's his quote, I'll just say, you're always worth it. You are always worth it. You're an upward spiraler and you, you can absolutely do this. So I don't know. That's what I felt like saying. But yeah, go check my music out at Bandcamp and I have an occult fan blog. And see, Steven, I made mine as long as yours. I was like going to say one word. Now mine's good. All right. And check out, uh, yeah, my music. Buy it, especially on Bandcamp days when it's free. So, uh, or, you know, when I get all the money, you, you guys know what that is. But anyways, yes, musician and writer and podcaster. And I'm out. Awesome. Thank you. And Vance, uh, thanks for being here. And what advice do you have? I was thinking, is your advice going to be don't uh, build a house on a Native American burial mound like <laughs> happens in Poltergeist, The Shining, From Dust Till Dawn? I'm like, wait a second, this trope is pretty common. 
<laughs> no, I no, like, like don't don't I sweat the petty would. stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Feed the raccoon, man. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. One thing popped out with me that I would give as advice is uh, if adversity comes your way, and this was from Nate, I think, uh, you know, use the power of that the adversity gives you to improve and you know to improve your life and and so forth and so on. Because we know growth is always happens. If everything was great, we wouldn't grow. So. That's, uh, that's, I think, the message of the day for me. It's been great hanging out with all you guys. Loved here. I love extraordinary stuff, esoteric stuff. Always did. That's why I'm here. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been a great show. I'm sure the audience really loved it. And uh, everyone, continue on your journey. And thanks for stopping by at the Virtual Alexandria at AM Bide. Thanks, guys. And there you have it. The first part of our group chat on Cursed and Occult America. No one here gets out alive. In our second part, we'll shoot the shit more on those mysterious tunnels under the American landscape. We'll double back on astronosis, astrology, and astrotheology. Stephen will share his ideas on giants, Native American burial mounds, and so forth. He'll cover Bohemian Grove, Skull and Bones, and L. Ron Hubbard. And we'll all talk about American folk magic and curses. And much more. So please become a Red Circle subscriber, Patreon at Patreon, or AB Prime member for the full American pie. And it really helps grow this Red Pill cafeteria. I won't go into the usual granular shilling, as I've got some game-changing content for ya the rest of the month and in July. Red pill suppositories that will crack real nice in your rectums of reality. But please support, and keep in mind that I will always give you a full show on the casa if you need that gnosis. Other than that, thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye as always. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc at parker our purpose is simple We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, 
and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.